in this episode, I get to talk to one of the founders of the movement of the whole person and how the whole person integrates into the health and education as well. So I'm really excited. And you're coming along this conversation where we get to talk to the pioneer of what it means to integrate ourselves spiritually, mentally, physically, emotionally into the world around us and what that does in our lives and how we can present ourselves in a way to the world and to God as a living sacrifice. You're not going to want to miss this episode. In today's episode, we're talking to Dr. Georgina Donato. For over 30 years, Dr. Georgina Donato has been a pioneer in the field of behavioral health, working with healthcare professionals and patients to change the behaviors that lead to improved health. For the first time, her pioneer work is the foundation of a newly published book, Changing Behavior, Immediately Transform Your Relationships. She has been so, oh, how can I put this? She has been on Dr. Oz. She has talked on Oprah. She has had a, a radio show for over 21 years. This individual, this doctor, you're not going to want to miss everything she has to say because it is gold. So I just want to welcome to the show, Dr. Georgina. How are you? Hi, Evan. Thank you so much. I know my name is a mouthful, so I'll I'll clarify it. It's Dr. Georgiana Donadio. Okay. Donadio. I said yeah. Georgiana. I'm sorry. Okay, Georgiana. Georgiana. That's perfectly fine. I just thought we'd clarify that. I, um, I appreciate that. Sorry. But yeah. Mm-hmm. So you are you, I mean, you are a part of the pioneer process of the whole person. And so thank you. Thank you, because well, go ahead. Yeah, well, you know, look, there we're all pioneers. Uh, everybody's here to to do something. We all have a task. I often have this very comical image in my mind of um, a Woody Allen type of character with a clipboard assigning souls to these different areas. You know, as we're coming into the world, uh, we all have a task to do, and. I couldn't figure out why I was chosen to do what I did until I got to a point where I realized all the skills and all the experience and all the things that I was blessed with came together to produce this particular role that I was playing. So, uh, but there are many pioneers and I have been privileged to um, receive the the tablets, if you will, uh, to go out in the world and to bring whole health into, you know, into our culture and into our society. Um, I will share with you that if you had gone to Google 10 years ago and you had put in the words whole health, there would be my training program and a vitamin company. And now there are billions of listings under whole health. So uh, the concept has caught, you know, it, it reached the tipping point and then it caught. Um, but the whole person, uh, you and I met because um, our program happens to own the um, the URL for the whole person. <laughs> That's right. That and we, and, and, we and I tried to acquire it. I know. And I wish we could sell it to you. But quite frankly, it's worth 
thousands of dollars. So right. I don't think I don't think you want to do that, but it, you'll find a way around it, I'm sure. But um, so the whole idea behind the work that I've been involved with is that we are given things to do. Like you're given this podcast to do. You're this is your ministry. This is a form of of ministry. Everything. Uh, that we do really, whether we recognize it that way or not, is a form of ministry. And so this is what I've been tasked to do. Yeah. You know, so when you started the movement of the whole person, what are some of the things that have gone into uh, not only your understanding, but the way you decided to teach it? You know, what, what are some of the fundamental truths that, that you speak in this realm? Well, our program is based, of course, in an evidence-based understanding of the physical, the emotional, the nutritional, the environmental, and the spiritual aspects of being human, being a whole human being. And the way that the curriculum developed, now you're either going to want to keep talking about this and get excited about it, or you're going to say, I think I have to go now. <laughs> For me, and I did a lot of the curriculum, uh, video. it's all on video, um, but now we, we use audio and it's on the internet. It used to be taught in, in person. I really downloaded the information. Uh, the content of the program, I mean, I studied a lot and I prepped a lot and I took, you know, took a lot of time to prepare the courses, but literally um, it, it was inspired. You know, when I got in front of the camera, guess what? Uh, it just came pouring out of me, you know? And so when you say, what is the fundamental truth? The fundamental truth is all, <clears throat> I can't say all human beings because there are some human beings that are born aberrant. We have a lot of kind of not the same people out in this world, okay? Right. So most human beings that are on this planet share very uh, basic qualities and very basic needs. And when we look at Maslow, the hierarchy of needs, and we look at, you know, biblical uh, information and we look at universal truths, we can see that human beings share certain qualities or certain needs or certain uh, desires. And so it's on the basis of what we know about being human uh, and about being a whole person that this curriculum was developed. So what are some of the, so we talked about, you know, the spiritual, the physical, emotional, nutritional, if I'm just at the beginning stages of wanting to, to grow in who I am as a person, what would be the areas that you say, hey, start here? Well, see, we don't think it happens that way. <laughs> um, it's, it's conscious. It's about having a consciousness. Consciousness, I don't know if you're familiar with the triangle of consciousness, uh, this is very old and it's, you know, shared uh, with, you know, different religions and different philosophies and different cultures. But if you imagine a triangle and you imagine the lower part of the triangle, which is the widest and the biggest, and you imagine the middle part, and then you imagine the upper part, um, 
my spiritual teachings and learning, you know, what I've learned is that we are in the evolution of consciousness as human beings. And most of us start off in the lower part of the triangle, you know, where we're kind of in the first section or the second section. And as we have experiences, some people would say as we suffer, <laughs> as we have experiences, <laughs> as we develop, as we learn, as we discern, we then open up our channel, our consciousness to understanding what it is that the divine is inviting us to know and become. So it's not like you can say to somebody, okay, start here. <clears throat> because you really can't start that process um, in an academic way. Life is a process of experience. And mm. this is one of the biggest things is that we have to be open to it, the experience of life. But most of us are so busy blocking out pain, denying our feelings, uh, running away from uh, what we perceive as failure, that we're not open to learn and to grow. So if we were to have a starting point for this, Evan, the starting point would be vulnerability, which is a very difficult thing to cultivate in people. How do you say to somebody, you can't avoid the pain, you can't avoid uh, the suffering it, and grow and become whole. Nobody's going to want to hear you. Yeah. They're going to ignore you. So I'm sure in your own life experience, you've learned that when you are living your life, that's when you grow. That's when you start to really integrate and become more of a person than you were the year before. And I'm sorry to say this. I mean, San, Sanskrit, it's, it's written in Sanskrit. Um, to be born is to suffer. That is, you know, those are just a few little words. To be born is to suffer. Six words that is the starting point of life, really. And then you can say, oh, what a terrible attitude. How could you say that? Um, well, if you want to look at Jesus's life, you know, that probably the best example of becoming a, a whole being, look at that process. Yeah. The whole idea is that we are, we come into this world with a human ego and that ego is what this world wants to, it wants to encourage, it wants to nourish, it wants to enlarge is our ego. And so when we have that ego, that is in conflict with our vulnerability and being with our suffering. So um, where do we start? We start by embracing and understanding that everything that's happening to us is an opportunity for us to open and grow. So how do we go through that process? Because I know in different points in my life, like I've, I've gone through a lot of, a lot of suffering, a lot of grief, a lot of bullying growing up. And for me, I, I have embraced the suck, the suffering, but then there's also been moments where I didn't want to, and inevitably I did, but there's people who are stuck, not wanting to embrace it and close themselves off from it. Yeah. And it prohibits them from actually healing. So how, how does someone 
because we all even have those areas in our life. Like, so how, how does someone go through that? Like, Hey, you know what? You know, I'm embracing this area of suffering, but I'm not embracing this area. How do I recognize that and then embrace it? Well, you're asking an intellectual, you're asking an, you know, a thought question that can't be answered with a thought answer. Um, I'm sure you're aware in your own life and in the lives of people you know, you kind of have to hit the bottom sometimes. Why, why is that true? Because the pain has to become so unbearable and so exquisite that you actually get cracked open a little bit by it. And your vulnerability and your surrender. I, I want to say, okay, if you were to say to me, put in a word, what is the word that starts your journey on being a whole person? It's surrender. Mm. The most difficult thing in the world, the most challenging thing in the world, Evan, is to surrender. <clears throat> Either to your circumstances or to the will of God. You know, take your pick. Surrendering is about giving up. What's it about? It's about humbling yourself. It's about giving up your importance, your ego, what you desire, what you want, and allowing, allowing for you to experience uh, what is going on at that moment and to listen. If you listen close enough, God will talk to you. If you really silence that noise in our brain, if we, when we quiet the noise, when we silence the noise, uh, which is why, you know, Jesus went out uh, 40 days and 40 nights. I mean, we have to get away from the noise. And when you do that, you hear exactly the consciousness that you need to have to move forward. Now, you know, I'm talking a combination of spiritual, religious, and psychological stuff, because that's what the combination is. Some of it is psychological because you're talking ego, id, and all of that. Some of it is um, spiritual because you're talking about surrender and you're talking about being open. And when you, when you, when you look at all these things, you realize what a challenge. This is a challenge. This is the, the biggest challenge in our lives, I think. Uh, you were talking about the gentleman uh, who... Um, I don't don't remember his name. Who was born without? Yeah, I think I've seen videos of him. I don't remember names. I have to be honest with you. Um, what a challenge! I mean, what's the only word that you can use about his life? A challenge. Our our lives are challenges. That's what they are. And for some people, it's it's how they're born. With other people, it's. The disease with other people, it's deformity, it's tragedy, it's, you know, terrible accident, or, but we're all given a challenge. And it's how we deal with that challenge that either opens up our ability to become more integrated and more whole or not. And I mean, I'll tell you some story. I could tell you a couple of stories. I mean, I, I was in private practice for a 45 years in the Boston area. I just retired a year and a half ago, right? Well, actually it was right before COVID. So it was about two years ago. Um, and I was in practice in New York for five years before I moved to Boston. And I had the privilege. Quick question, Yankees or Red Sox? 
<laughs> I hate baseball. <laughs> that should answer that for you. <clears throat> Why do I hate baseball? I, I want you baseball fans to appreciate this. <clears throat> you know, I'm old and, you know, I'm an old person. And I grew up with a grandfather who was a diehard devotee of baseball. And in those days, you listened on the radio. That's how old I am. That he would listen on the radio, Evan, okay? And when you were at, when I was at my grandmother's house, if anybody was in the house, you couldn't make a sound when that radio was on, okay? So, so subconsciously, I, you resented baseball. I resented baseball. <laughs> so yeah. that's why I just want to clear that up. So if you love baseball, wonderful. I, I never took to it. But so I've had the privilege of serving and relating. Some people would say treating. I don't think anybody uh, cures or treats anybody. I think we have the privilege of being given the task of communicating and relating to another person. Of hundreds, I'm not joking, uh, probably I think it was two over 200,000 uh, interactions, you know, people, patients that I, I had met. I've met a lot of people in my day. Um, some of them rich and famous, some of them uh, poor and broken, some of them homeless. I mean, I've met and <clears throat> had the privilege of interacting with all kinds of people. And I want to tell you that what, <clears throat> what you realize is that we, we're all basically, unless, unless you're a psychopath, unless there's something very seriously broken or wrong with you psychologically, we all are the same being in a different body because our job in life is to be vulnerable to what the lesson is. All people want safety and security, you know, Maslow's hierarchy. We want to have uh, a roof over our head. We want to have food in our mouth and we want to feel secure and safe. And then after that, we want to belong we want to interact with other people. And this is where the suffering mostly comes in for most of us, not for all of us, of course, but a lot of us get stuck in that relationship component. That's a big, a big, you know, kind of a, a speed bump in our lives, relationships. And that's because a lot of us grew up in dysfunctional families. Uh, but even for people who don't grow up in dysfunctional families, relating to other people is about knowing who you are, being a whole person yourself, and then being able to relate to that person, their whole person. Uh, is any of this making sense to you, Evan? <laughs> yeah, 100%. So in terms of knowing who you are, in you know, Christendom, that would be your identity in Christ. And for someone who might struggle with that, what advice would you give someone to help them understand who they are in Christ and then who they are as a whole person? There's only one answer to that question, really. Okay. Um, there's only one answer. And what when, when Jesus went out into the garden, what happened? Uh, are we talking about Gethsemane? When he went out to the garden, yeah. Well, the other apostles. Yeah, he went out and prayed, and asked. Yeah, but what, what, what actually happened in that at that point? You mean like him sweating blood and asking God to let this cup pass from him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What happened? 
He was in a tremendous amount of stress and anxiety. He had to humble himself and accept what God had anointed him for. Yes? Correct. That's what he had to do. And that's what we have to do. That's what we all have to do in order to fulfill our destiny, our role, our purpose in, in, in Christ, if you will. We have to reach a point where we put aside what we want and we have to accept what God is asking us to be, to do. I mean, that, that young man who was born without arms and legs, wow. Um, you talk about a challenge. You talk about humbling. You talk about surrender. Wow. Uh, I mean, that's why he is so renowned internationally because people look at him living his life and say, I don't know that I couldn't do that. I don't know that I could do that. How does he do it? How does he get up every day and, and feel he has a life, feel that he has a purpose? And isn't that what we're boiling this conversation down right. to? Well, and that, so I guess we might answer this in the next question here. Jesus knew that the cross was in front of him and he knew his purpose. He knew it was to die for the sins of this world. But Evan Herman or the other person listening, how do we come to know what our purpose and call? Like for me, I know what I feel like I know what that is in my life, but for the person that doesn't, how do they learn what that purpose is? So how did you learn? How did you learn? <laughs> I love your question. Um, well, the, tr- the truth no, is, how did you learn? I was silent. I, <laughs> I was working in a snow cone shack for 10 to 12 hours a day, six days a week in the summer. And this was pre-cell phone, like pre-smartphone, no internet. And I brought books in my Bible and I just read all the time. And the snow cone shack was in a park that had like trails, like you'd run, walk, jog, and some exercise stuff. So it wasn't like, oh, hey, I'm exercising. Let me stop for a snow cone. So I, I spent a lot of time in isolation. And I was seeking God and I said, God, you know, I want to be an author. I want to be a public speaker. I want to be a pastor. I want to, I want to travel the world and speak. You know, I want to do all these different things. Just tell me, just tell me my vocation and I'll go do that. And I heard him say, what you do in life will look different at different times, but the theme will remain the same. And the theme is to live out the heart of God by loving others back to life. That's how I found my purpose. Okay. <clears throat> so your purpose, if I understand this, is to love people. Is that right. correct? Yes. Okay. Um, and how does that manifest? How, how does it manifest for you? Is, is your podcast the vehicle for you to love people? Or how does that how does that work in your life? What are the tasks that you do? Yeah. What are the actions that you take to love people uh, to fulfill your purpose? That is a question I haven't 100% asked myself. Um, so thank you. That, that's given me something to chew, chew on as well past this conversation. Right now, this podcast is a way of doing that. That's one of the things. Because 
as I'm searching for truth and knowledge and understanding and being vulnerable about my journey, who with people might be in similar situations that we can learn from these conversations together. The other aspect is I've recently, um, I've always wanted to be in ministry since I was seven. I wanted to be a pastor and those doors just never really opened. And back in 2020, um, God led me to start a ministry in 2021 and it's called evangelism now. And so the way that I feel like moving forward is with the podcast to start a business around the podcast to help people become whole. And then also to uh, grow the ministry and teach the love of Jesus Christ and that we have forgiveness of our sins so that we can spend eternity with him. Like those are the contexts that I feel like God's moving me forward to. Okay, so it's a work in progress uh, progress for you, right? Correct. Um, <clears throat> I'll tell you what I think our challenge is as human beings, like Please. this whole idea of um, in in the book of creations, okay, uh, God said before the ark was built, okay, <laughs> he said he said uh, he regretted creating human beings that we were what was the word oh my goodness um but we were corrupt let me look it up or was that the word corrupt i believe was corrupt um and that he regretted making people do you remember do you recall that Mm -hmm. okay and so what did he do he said okay uh go build an ark and take two of each Get in the get in the the boat, and uh, I'm going to wipe everything else off the face of the earth. Because humans, we as human beings, are absolutely positively flawed and corrupt in our nature. That's what original sin. You know, let's talk about coming in with original sin. Right. To me, original sin. Go back. Go go back and read. Uh, you know creations and you'll know what original sin is because we come in with will and with ego and we come in in a way that is not loving at all we don't come in loving our parents can make us loving god can make us loving but the human nature the nature of human beings a perfect example is mean girls when you're in high school you got bullied right a lot. Some of the cruelest people in the world are young children. People don't want to hear that. They don't want to acknowledge that. You take a 12-year-old, I bet you you got bullied a lot when you were a teenager. A the cruelest people on earth are teenagers. Why? Because at that point, their sexual hormones are coming into their body and those hormones, they enlarge the ego because the whole idea about taking a mate and going off and, you know, reproducing, it's about ego. It's about pleasure. It's about you. It's about fulfillment. It's about adoration. It's about, it's all of these lower drives, really. When children are young and they're innocent, They don't behave the way they do when they're teenagers. And the difference happens to be a chemical change that takes place in their body. 
And so what we know is that human beings, and as you get older, when you get out the other end, you're a much nicer person when you get out the other end. Yeah, don't have those hormones surging all over the place <laughs> because your ego and your drive for, you know, for yourself changes. So the point is we as human beings are handicapped. We come in with, with arms tied behind our back. Because while we're great as kids, little kids, when we get to be a little bit older as children, we become some of the cruelest people on earth. And ask anybody who's been through high school. <laughs> you know, yeah. And they'll tell you because high school is a nightmare for most people, not for all people. I guess the, uh, you know, the mean girls, they don't have a hard time. Uh, they have a hard time when they get out of high school because it all comes back, you know, to haunt them. But so we have to face this. We don't want to, we don't want to talk about this. You know, I talk about this with a, a lot of different audiences. I have my own podcast. And when I start talking about this with people, they're very uncomfortable. They don't want to talk about it. No, 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 no. Where God made us in, in his image and likeness. Well, maybe originally he did. Uh, and then he figured out, Oops, <laughs> you know, the avocado pit was a mistake. And uh, that was a, that's from a movie. Oh, God. <clears throat> but human beings in general, we're not pleasing to God. OK, uh, this may come as a little shock. I'm saying why he had to send Jesus. What's a? I said it's why he had to send Jesus. We are not pleasing to God then, nor are we pleasing to God now. Just turn on the news, Evan. What do you see? You see terrible, terrible inhumanity that's being perpetuated by human beings. So when you say to me, how do you start to become a whole person? See, what I do is I shake people up. Like I ask them questions and I make statements and they go, whoa, whoa, wait a second. I never Like I just that. did. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, I can see the look on your face. It's like, whoa. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, we think in very linear terms. There are all these linear terms. To be whole, you have to start to think in a circular fashion. It has to be circular. You have to walk around it. You have to look at all sides of things. You can't just be looking straight ahead. And um, nothing against, you know, masculinity, but the masculine brain is linear. It thinks sequentially. The female brain is circular. It actually, if, when women walk in a room, they sweep the room from left to right with their eyes. When men walk in a room, they're very purposeful. They're looking for somebody or they're, you know, want to get a drink or they want to eat. They're very linear. So, the reason it's funny. It's I'm a real estate agent. So I see that all the time when I take husbands and wives uh, looking at houses. Right. So you also have the issue. What do you think men and women have conflict all the time? Because the male brain, because of hormones and because of uh, chemistry is different. I, in one of the courses I teach, I teach about different kinds of brains. I teach about pregnancy brain, ADD brain. Um, I teach about the female brain, the male brain, uh, the homosexual brain, the heterosexual brain, um, the, the brain of people with uh, certain diseases. 
we have a tendency to think that we're choosing uh, who we are more than is true. A lot of who we are and what we are is what constitutes our makeup, our chemical makeup, our nutritional makeup, our hormonal makeup, our uh, genetic makeup. And we have to take all of these things. See, it's a very complicated question what you're asking. You're asking, how do you get a person to be a whole person? And the, the key is acceptance and sur surrender because we all have judgment. We're all making judgment all the time. We're judging everybody. We're condemning people. We're uh, adoring other people. You know, we're celebrating other people. The truth of the matter is that I think God has a lot of fun with us. He says, oh, I think I'll, I think I'll make a whole new type of brain. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll uh, take all of the chemicals, all of the food coloring, and I think I'll, I'll cause it to affect the brain this way. I, I think that what we have to realize is that human beings are complex, unique, individual entities. And our brains are different, our hearts are different, our minds are different. <clears throat> And that's a challenge. One thing I just want to interject, and I don't want to go off on a tangent on this subject. You know, there's a lot of like outrage and discussion and um, all kinds of things going on about the Olympics and transgender athletes. You know that, right? That's like a big yeah. subject. I just want to say this. I don't want to weigh in on the transgender issue. I just want to say this. Men's hearts and lungs are much bigger than women's. So if you're born male and you're male for 18 years, you have large lungs and large heart. And if you're female, you don't have the same ability to move and to have power in your body if you're a male. I'm just using this as an example. People think it's a political question. People think it's a political issue. It's not a political issue. It's a physiological reality that a transgendered male into female has a much larger heart and lung than a female that is born female. And the whole, <clears throat> excuse me, the whole idea is we have to get out of our heads and we have to start to take a step back and look at life from a long view. A whole person doesn't have judgment about others. A whole person observes and accepts that the divine created the world in a magnificent and confusing way. And we, we are not to understand that. We are not to judge that. We can make a decision not to participate. We can make a decision. We can make all kinds of decisions. But if we start to if we start to say, I don't like caterpillars. God made caterpillars, but I think they're gross. I think they're disgusting. I don't want caterpillars. There's something wrong with caterpillars. They turn from caterpillars in, in, into butterflies. I think that's wrong. I, I think it's, you know, not acceptable. We cannot, we cannot call ourselves whole. We cannot call ourselves actualized or realized as a Christian for sure, if we're going to have judgment about this wildly unique and fascinating world that God created.
And that's a big stumbling block for a lot of people. So then where's, where's the line between judgment and right and wrong? Because, because there are things like it's wrong for someone to call themselves a female who's a male and to go into the women's bathroom. And then all of a sudden rape goes up in these instances in schools but we're not going to do anything because we're making it political. Like that is yeah. wrong. And I want well, to see, judge the hell out of that. Yeah. See, I've, I've personally never heard of that because if, if it's true, if it really is a male who wants, who wants to be a female, then he's not going to want to rape the hell out of a female. Okay. It's just, it just doesn't uh, compute <clears throat> judgment. People can live any way they want. People can live any way they want. And the law, why we have law in our country or any country is to draw boundaries. What are the boundaries? What is sin? You know, sin is causing harm to other people or yourself. And what is virtue? You know, one is uplifting, one is destructive. It's pretty straightforward. You know, you don't have to get into a whole bunch of things. But look at our culture. Look what's going on right now in our culture. Just in America, you've got one group of people that are wanting uh, to express their values and what they think is right and who they who they think is right and how they think is right compared to other people. And this is killing us as a as a culture, as a as a society, we're we're in conflict. <laughs> you know, uh, we're going to start shooting at each other and saying you're wrong. You know, there's nothing wrong with slavery. You came down south, and you. I mean, I spent time down south, and I was pretty impressed that people were very frank about talking about when they talked about the war. They talked about the Civil War. That was the war they were talking about, and they felt that their culture and that their values had been had been stolen from them uh, and they were forced into living a life that wasn't the life they wanted. Now, where'd you, you go? Because I live in the South and I, I feel like I have a different perspective than that. You're a young man. Were you down South 70 years ago? That's true. That. No, not 70 <laughs> years ago. Currently. You know, currently uh, it's a very different world because there's been so much migration. Right. But what's really interesting is that the people who want to live the way they want to live should be allowed to live the way they want to live and they should go and live that way. That's not the issue. The issue is when we start to have our will and our opinion and we want to impose that and harm other people. Right. That's where the quest, that's where the issue comes in. I, I'm very, I'm a very tolerant person. I think everybody should, I think anybody should do anything that they, that they really are compelled to do in this life. It's all going to work out in the wash. If you do something wrong, you're going to pay for it. If you do something right, you're going to get the reward of it. I believe that life returns to itself. And, and I don't think, if, even if we didn't have law, I don't think we have to, you know, suppose people are not going to be punished. We're going to punish ourselves with our own behavior. I'm sure to some extent you believe that. Uh, but what happens to many of us, we become, you know, we start to play God. We start to say, you know what? 
God made those people, uh, but I don't like them. So I'm going to do something about that. Um, If we're really into listening to what God wants, then how can we take the position that it's our role to judge anyone, no matter what it is, um, you know, whether they're disabled, whether they're blind, whether they're foreign, whether they're whatever they are, we, we feel that we can judge people based on what we think is right and wrong. And yes, what is right is uplifting and life-sustaining. And what is wrong is things that tear down and destroy and harm life. So when you just look at good and evil from the position of, is it life-sustaining or is it life-reducing? That's a great simple way to look at good and evil. Does it uplift, does it sustain, or does it destroy, or does it tear down? And when you look at good and evil in that way, the world looks pretty different. I, I can see the look on your face. <laughs> the look on your face. Well, I'm thinking, like, I'm thinking like, you know, to bring this back to the whole person, you know, when we, when we apply that to, to becoming, you know, does this help grow and sustain my life or does this deteriorate? Does this Twinkie help me grow or does this apple help me grow? And we judge, I'm, I'm using the word judge, um, how, how, how to apply these things to our lives to develop into that whole, whole person. See, I don't think we're judging, Evan. I think what we're doing uh, is we're sensing, we're intuiting, we're knowing on another level what is sustainable and what is destructive. Okay. We don't have to judge it, you know. I mean, look, I have a master's among many, I have a lot of degrees, but one of them is a master's in nutrition. And when I I didn't practice for long, because I think nutrition has turned into a religion. It's turned into a religion. Okay. And I don't want to play into that, but I would say to people, I would bring food in and I'd put it on my desk and I'd say, um, okay, choose foods. What, what foods resonate with you? What foods are you attracted to? When we're attracted to foods that are actually performing the task of being medicine, a lot of foods perform the task of being medication, self-medication. Right. Uh, that's why people love carbohydrates because they produce chemicals in our body that affect our brain. And when we're eating a Twinkie, when we're eating uh, something that's, what did you say? Little Debbie's. Little Debbie's. That is producing an endorphin, an encephalin response in our body that, that affects our brain. And we don't feel the anxiety. Smoking, smoking reduces anxiety. Coffee, drugs, alcohol. When you look at, our culture, we're constantly medicating ourselves because we don't want to deal with the suffering. We don't want to deal with the pain. We don't want to deal with the anxiety. And it's not that we're judging those things. We're attracted to them. We're attracted to them because we know they're going to make me feel better. Even if it's just for a short period of time. What is it? It causes you more harm. It causes you more harm, but you know what? We don't want to suffer. We don't want to suffer, Evan. Do you want to suffer? I don't want to suffer. 
Nope. So what are we going to do about it? There are three questions I raised. I have three children and I raised them to ask themselves these questions. What is it that you want? Is it possible? Do you believe it's possible for you to have that? And what are you going to do about it? So if you say to somebody, what do you want? And they say, I don't want to suffer. Do you believe that's possible for you? Yes, I do. What are you going to do about it? I'm going to go smoke a cigarette. I'm going to go do a drug. I'm going to go whatever. So let me ask ask you this, because this is the pursuit that I have. I want peace in my life. And that doesn't come without suffering by any means. I look at the disciples in the boat with Jesus when it was a severe storm and they go to him like, Hey, you're sleeping. Don't you care that we're going to die and drown? They had the physical manifestation of Jesus with them. And they were still fearful. You look at Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego getting ready to be thrown into the fire by King Nebuchadnezzar. And they, they had peace. They might've not liked what was getting ready to happen, but they had enough peace to be like, regardless of what happens, we will not serve your idol. And we'll trust our God to deliver us. And even if he doesn't, we will still serve our Lord and we will not serve you. Like that is peace despite circumstances where the disciples had uh, peace dependent on circumstances. So how do we live with peace despite circumstances? We realize that we're going to die. (laughs) Oh, you know what? That's so funny because it's true. Let me tell you something. I'm an old person. My father died when he was 101 years old. Okay, he lived a long life. He was a wise man. See, I was lucky. I had old parents and they were wise. And uh, another thing you don't know about me, I was in a religious order. I was in a, in a convent school when I was young. So I have, I've had religion surrounding me. I, I've been surrounded by, and then I went off on my own path and I started exploring and looking at different religions and studying them and trying to understand this whole thing. But one thing I knew from my dad and I knew from, you know, maturing and growing into myself. The problem with human beings is we deny that we're going to die. We are, we're mortal beings. Accept it, accept it, let it, let it. I would say to you, you wanna be a whole person, Evan, I'll give you a, a real simple thing. You get up in the morning, you look at yourself in the mirror and you say, we're gonna have a good day today but today could be the day that I die. You have to know you're here for a limited period of time. And if you you want to do good, you're going to have a peaceful life because your intent will be to bring good to the world. If you're going to do bad, if you're gonna harm, then you're gonna suffer and you're gonna be tortured. But if you live a good, what's a good life? A, a good godly, life? What's yeah. a godly life? What's a godly life? What would Jesus do? He wouldn't lie. He wouldn't cheat. He wouldn't steal. He wouldn't, he wouldn't uh, cheat. You know, uh, he would embrace and accept all people. He would love. He would be generous. He would be kind. If you follow that example and remember every day, 
It could be your last day. You can't go wrong. You're, you're a whole person right then and there. The problem is the human ego, Evan. The ego says, you're not going to die. No, you're not going to die. No, not you. You're so magnificent. You're so special that we're, we're going to somehow beat that. We're going to beat that. We're going to get out of this life alive. Yeah. Think wow. about it. Yeah, I know. Isn't it, isn't it that simple? But, yeah. you know, think, <laughs> and think about all the intellectual, all the, the discussions and the, we turn ourselves inside out and we're looking for the path and we're looking for, we don't have to look very far, do we? No, just look at Jesus. We get up and now he knew he was going to die. Yeah. He wasn't happy about it. None of us are, you know, he was human. He came here in human form and he knew he was going to suffer and he knew he was going to die. And he didn't want to go through that for sure. And he had a human mother who didn't want to watch her son die like every human mother. Uh, So what was that about? He surrendered, he surrendered and he accepted and he embraced, um, you may not even want to use this as a podcast, but I really think this was an important conversation for you and I to have. <laughs> because if you're struggling to be a whole person, it's because you're not looking in the right direction. Look in the mirror. Just look in the mirror every morning and say, I am made in the image and likeness of God. Okay. And the thing that will make me corrupt, the reason why God wanted to cleanse the earth is because humans forgot who they were, that they were mortal creations of the divine. And they felt they had the will and the ability to make decisions that were against God's rules. Does that make some sense? It does. Are you, getting any, are you getting any closer to have a hint about the whole person? <laughs> I hope. I hope. No, of course, yes, you are getting closer. Come on. No. It, I feel like there needs to be a, a follow-up to all this. Um, you want steps, you know. No, well, no, I just, I, I really like what you're saying about just, knowing that we we have to surrender to the idea that we are going to die one day and that we are created in the image of God, but we are also mortal creations. And when we, you know, there's this quote in the Bible, and I'm probably going to butcher this, so feel free to correct me, but he who tries to keep his life will lose it. Yes. Or his soul will lose it. But he who will lose his life for my sake will find it. We'll be saved. That's what that reminds me of. Yeah, we'll yeah. be saved. Well, but and, and there it is. You know, it's not complicated. Look, people live in their head, Evan. They live out of their head. They don't live out of their soul. They, do, they, they don't. People in this world do not live out of their soul. How many people can you count on one hand that you would could actually say, wow, that's a whole person? How many people can you can you do that? There's three guys that I can think of. Okay. I know personally, but it came through a tremendous amount of suffering 
suffering. And it it came through a tremendous amount of their willingness to, to lay down their own life. Like, like I knew that about them before we had this conversation. Yeah. Well, you know, look, I'm no, I'm no guru. I'm no prophet. You know, I did have my own ministry and I was profoundly humbled by the fact that for 21 years I was on national television talking about this stuff. And then I left, I I couldn't do it anymore. I, I I had just had my last baby and um, I didn't have my children until I was older. And I I wanted, I wanted, you know, to have a different life. The bottom line is it, it, it doesn't, Let's not attribute things to people who come to a point of being whole people. They're just human beings who got broken enough, who got broken and battered enough to say, uncle, that's all. That's all it is. It's not more complicated than that. I know you don't want to hear that. No, it's good. Most people want answers. They want answers. They want, tell me what to do. Tell me how to do it. But it doesn't work that way. We have to struggle in our own ways, each of us. You know, when I described living out the heart of God by loving others back to life, my purpose, the image I get when I say that. You ever gone swimming and had been held underwater? Oh, yeah, I almost drowned once, yes. That fear, that panic, the anxiety, it feels like life itself being sucked right out of you. And that moment you break the the water plane and your head comes above water and you take that big gasp (gasps) and life enters your body. That's what I picture when I hear loving others back to life. Well, you got to love yourself first, Evan. The first rule is you have to love you. You have to be your best friend. You have to see within yourself all of the things that you want to be able to see in other people. Uh, Look, life is hard. I'm going to say this to you. Life is hard. You're young. How old are you? 30? 34. 34. I have a a 33-year-old son. One of my sons is 33. But the bottom line is you are young and Thank God you haven't, you've suffered, but you, you haven't been, you know, uh, devastated the way some people have been. Uh, there's, there's more to my story. I've come, I've overcome a lot. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, we've lost a child. I, I've lost one close love person in my life every year since like 2008. Are you married? I've lived, I are am. You married? Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry about, I'm really sorry about your child. It, uh. That happened in 2013, and oh, uh, it was our first child. It uh, anyway. That's that's a that's a side story. So the point is this: the point is this. We get broken, and broken, and broken, and broken again until we surrender. Yeah. My comment to you is: let all of life in. Be with, sit with the feelings, sit with the suffering, sit with the agony and the loss and the pain and the rage at God for what he did to you. Sit with it. And when you sit with it and be with it and embrace it and accept it, 
that's when you'll be, you'll know you'll be a whole person. You will know that you're a whole person. Nobody will have to tell you. So I agree with what you're saying, except for one thing. And I just, you know, per conviction, I want to share. I don't believe God does things to us in terms of like, makes us without arms or legs. You know, I believe that's a natural byproduct of the fallen world. But through those things, by sitting with God, we can find the wholeness and going through the suffering because scripturally Satan comes to steal, kill and destroy, but I have come to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. So that, that's the perspective I'm taking. Look, God, I, I'm not saying that in a negative way. Okay. Um, all of my suffering has been a tremendous blessing in my life. I think suffering is a gift and I think it's a blessing. And so God gives us gifts. And a lot of times you'll hear people say, I, I thought I was going to die when that happened. And now I look back and it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Right. Everything is a gift. And if we can accept that, that God gives us gifts. And sometimes that gift is suffering Yeah. Uh, without, without blaming him. But we, we get angry at God all the time. People get angry oh, at for God. Oh, sure. You know, so that's part of it. Uh, I want to thank you for being so curious to have this conversation. Thank you. I don't know that it's going to be a podcast for you. Um, I, I think there's a lot of stuff you, you want to sort through first before, you know, you, I think, I hope this has been an invitation for you to really puzzle about certain things and to question certain things. Yeah. You know no, it has been. It has been. Yeah. Just in case if we do use this as an episode, where can people follow you at? Okay. Um, I have my own podcast at Living Above the Drama. You want to check that out, Living Above the Drama. I will. I have a blog. I'm going to be, I mean, I've got a lot of different websites and things like that. If somebody wants to follow me, oh boy, I guess they could go to Living Above the Drama. That's where they should go, livingabovethedrama.com. And um you know, they can, they can hear all those different conversations. And uh, listen, uh, I'm happy for you that you're on your journey. I'm sorry for the, the suffering. I'm sorry for everybody's suffering. I'm sorry for my suffering. I'm sorry for everybody. Nobody wants to suffer. None of us. I mean, look, who likes suffering? A sadomasochist? Right. A sadomasochist? I mean, we don't want to suffer. Uh, but the only way it out is through. The only way to get out of our, shall we say, blindness, our darkness, our misunderstanding, our suffering is to go through it. And that's what we all have to remember. What does your pastor tell you when you ask him about? I haven't asked him about this yet. (laughs) Well, he'll probably tell you that, you know, you have to surrender your life and follow uh, Jesus. I. Oh, the basic biblical principle, yeah. Yeah, that's what he's going to tell you. For sure. Uh, And that's all true. But what do the mechanics of that look like? Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. It's been a pleasure. 